everyone, welcome to the Beyond the Dance Floor podcast where we look at everything outside of the moves and the competitions and try to dive a little bit deeper. It's about history, mentality and connecting the dots between the dance and the other aspects of our lives. Today on the podcast we have one of the best b-boys when it comes to top rock, footwork and just dancing in general. Ivan Cofield aka Heat Rock from Del Fuego Wolfpack and Cypher Sons. He gives us a look into his dance origins growing up in Georgia the beginnings of his breaking journey in Boston, becoming known for top rock and footwork, his rivalry with b-boy Samo and more. A really great talk with a ton of detail down to the specific jams, people and places. Big thanks to Heat Rock for taking the time to share his experiences and perspectives. Hope you enjoy the talk. Peace. Okay, we're here with Heat Rock from Del Fuego Wolfpack out of New York, I believe. No, uh, well, out of New York now, but originally from Georgia and lived in Boston for 10 years. And now I've been out here in Brooklyn for 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Right on. Um, yeah, well, we'll get into that, uh, that bit of history. Um, yeah, to start off, if you don't mind, do you mind, yeah, just introducing yourself to everyone who's listening and watching? Yeah, sure. Um, government name, Ivan Cofield born and raised in Georgia, um, Heat Rock One of Del Fuego Wolfpack and Cypher Sons of Montreal. Um, yeah, I've been dancing since I was a kid, got into breaking roughly around the age of 16. Um, but it was like an off and on thing and kind of a dabble around thing and got really serious with it around 27, 28. Um, started off popping Uh, mostly social dances in the beginning, you know, anything that was like on TV, um, you know, uh, this was like the early, this is the early eighties. So I was born in 82. So a lot of the stuff that was out then, and then, um, kind of getting into popping roughly around 95, 96. Um, I wouldn't really say that I was 100% a true popper, but getting into the lifestyle of that was around, around that age, around that year. And then, um, yeah, that's pretty much all she wrote there. Just that's how I got started. Was this in in Georgia that you started dancing? Yes, in Georgia. Um, I was always dancing as a kid, um, just kind of whatever social dances were on television, just trying to mimic those and, you know, uh, going to parties and cookouts and things like that and just kind of jumping around um, whatever dance style that was that was um, that was out during that time. Mm-hmm. And then roughly around um, the age of 12, um, 13-ish, uh, started picking up on the popping style, um, you know, kind of mimicking things from movies like Breaking and Beach Street and just trying to copy those things. And um, whatever we, at the time, the internet was really slow. So, uh, <laughs> you know, there wasn't really much help there, but... Um, you know, freestyle session tapes, uh, another tape that was, uh, that was out from like breakdance.com. So some of the VHSs that I was getting a hold of, um, were things like that, that I was like trying to get a lot of, um, trying to get whatever inspiration we could. There was TV shows that were out and whoever was like a 
guest star dancer, you know, things like that and picking it up from there, music videos. And that's how I was really, that's how I started with popping. And that was like my introduction to popping was through like television and whatever I could find. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, now I don't really know much about Georgia, but was there much of a scene or even just like a dance culture there? There was, okay. So dance culture there, there was a dance culture there. Um, we had a lot of social dances. Um, you know, if you, even just going back in history, there was a lot of like, leaving Lindy Hop was a thing down in the South as well too. So there was a lot of cultural dances down in the South. Um, but the introduction to like hip hop in the South was a little, uh, was a little weird. So it wasn't like very strong uh, when it was a big boom. And, you know, when it's had its boom in the eighties, um, it was kind of like something that migrated down towards the South. Like even like the radio stations, we really didn't have a, a radio station until somewhere in the, in the eighties. And even then the, the hip hop music was only being played for like a couple of hours throughout the day. Um, but this was uh, before my time, I was a little too young to even like remember. Right. Um, but by the time I was already a teenager, we had 97.5 and um, uh, I think it was like 103, Kiss 103 maybe. Mm -hmm. I, I think that was the radio station. So everybody had a hot 97 something, whatever. And we had a hot 97.5. And that was all hip hop and all rap music. So they played R&B as well. And uh, 103 played R mostly R&B, but they did play some rap. So we finally had like two established radio stations. Um, I don't know if you remember, if you know the artist Ludacris. Mm -hmm. Well, his name used to be Chris Lava Lava. He was a radio jock. So I used to listen to him as a radio jock when I was a kid and he was a part of he used to play a lot of the um, five o'clock uh, hour, him and another guy named Poon Daddy. So they used to play a lot of the rap and everything like that. And, you know, he would kick his little his little raps in between the little segments every now and then. And that was actually my introduction to like to Ludacris. Everybody knows him as Ludacris. I knew him as Chris Lava Lava. Hmm. And then it's like, hey, I'm dropping an album. And we were like, oh, crap, our very own radio jock is doing this. So. Yeah, I was always dancing and then I wanted to get into breaking when I was like 16 and I got, you know, I got a hold of this tape from breakdance.com. Um, actually, if you know Breaks Crew, if you know anything about Breaks Crew, that was like Whack, Chino, um, Too Sweet and uh, who's another dude, Dirty and a few other guys that were in that squad, they all, uh, they were all that, on that tape and it was like an instructional tape on how to like do power and stuff. So I was like getting some stuff from there and that's how I kind of started getting into breaking a little bit more. Didn't know much about it, but when I was starting off of it, my my impression of breaking was power. And now you're you're known as one of the top, like top rock guys and footwork guys. Yeah, so that was thanks to um the floor lords huh. and i moved to boston to go to school and while i was in school i was jump i jumped online and i um you know there was breakdance.com and then there was the freestyle session forums and stuff like that right. back then and i emailed a whole bunch of people and i said hey i'm new to boston i'm looking for a place to to get down uh, you know if there's anybody if there is there a scene um, and then that somebody emailed me back and told me where to go. But back to like Georgia's history. Yeah, there was a there was a scene. 
Um, one of the, there was a crew, a burn unit, you might know them, but um, they're not really that around as much anymore, but they're still around. Most of the people may know one of the illustrated graffiti artists in the world, uh, Totem was one of the guys that was in there. And then there was Vendetta and uh, I believe her name, I think she goes by Shift now. Um, but the two of them, and there was a few other heads that were that were in Burn Unit. And then there was also the Funk Lords. And those were like some of the top crews in Georgia that I knew about, you know, whenever I was in the city, you know, I would see them at some of the nightclubs. But yeah, there was a scene, but, but social dancing was very big in Georgia. Hmm. Um, almost everybody could do some sort of social dance. It was very important. And most of the guys knew something to some degree. Um, it could be anything. And we had a lot of our own dances too. So a lot of people don't really know about that. So I was always doing a lot of the social dances that were out there. We had uh, the Bankhead Bounce. Uh, we had another one called the Ragtop, um, which we used to do a lot. So um, later on, Yeet came along, but that was after my time. Um, we had a lot of our own music, you know, Little John and the East Side Boys, if anybody remembers uh, a lot of that type of music coming out. All that later stuff like Bone Crusher and all that, uh, you know, Laffy Taffy stuff, that was way after my time. But most of the music that was coming out of the South, we had TLC, we had Crisscross, Outcast, and Goody Mob. Uh, Witch Doctor was another one. Um, Young Bloods. We, we had some pretty decent artists coming out of the, the Atlanta scene that were really decent rappers that were using lyrics. And it wasn't just a lot of like hollering and screaming. That stuff came a lot later, but Little John and the East Side Boys were all—they were always around. Right. Um, you know, our music was influenced by like Miami bass, and even before that, even before all of that, there was like Raheem the Dream, and Kilo Ali, and um, if you ever want to look up any of that type of music, that's what we were listening to, and that was the type of music we were getting down to. And most of their beats were a lot of the. There were a lot of like uh, popping beats that we know today as like electro popping beats. Um, a lot of the music that we were using, a lot of that Miami bass stuff was just a, like electro popping beats sped up or slowed uh, or slowed down. It's really what it was. A lot of their background music was just like play at your own risk, but tweaked a little bit. And then some rapper, some other new rapper on top of it, you know. Hmm. So that was what it was like in the Georgia music scene down there. Right. And like, how, how long was, was your time in Georgia? I was there until I was about roughly 18 or 19. Right. right. Um, I graduated in, uh, Oh one. Um, and then I took about a year off after got, uh, being in school to kind of decide on what I wanted to do, apply to a few schools. Um, and then I got into Whitworth that was in Mo Boston, Massachusetts. And my parents were from there and I already had extended family there. So I moved to Boston to go to school. Um, also, too, just because I wanted to get out of Georgia and explore. And I think I was ready for something different uh, and kind of getting into a, a more stable city lifestyle. So moving there and just kind of getting adapted to that. And that's basically how I uh, got introduced to the Floor Lords. And then once introduced to them, um, I only got recruited into that crew as a popper, um, I wasn't recruited as a b-boy. I was recruited as a popper. So my focus at the time was just popping. Um, and I was doing that for, for years. And that was about probably about seven years that I was 
popping. I didn't really touch breaking that much anymore. Um, when I came to Boston, I was already kind of doing a little bit of both, not mm -hmm. really focused on one particular, just kind of like, you know, that discipline of like that type of focus wasn't really there. Um, as far as practice, that discipline was there kind of getting down uh, repeatedly at least uh, several times a week was already there. Um, that I didn't have a problem with that at all. Um, that's something that I just kind of had on my own. I mean, I already, I was playing a musical instrument, so I had to practice that, you know, my you know, softball, you know, um, little league, things like that. You know, my parents had already signed me up for tennis and things like that. And that discipline of practice was already there. Having a coach was already there. So um, I didn't, I did not ask to be in the, in the floor lords. I was like recruited just because I was around. So it wasn't like I was like, hey, I want to get down with you guys. It wasn't like that. I didn't really develop a relationship like that with them. I was just kind of around. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, the president of the crew at the time was Big Lino, not Lean Rock uh, or El Nino. It was uh, Linsky. And, you know, he just you know, saw me coming to practice and nobody ever, you know, I was always by myself. I knew a couple of the kids there. You know, I was a complete stranger. I was new to the scene. Um, you know, I was going there for, I was practicing there for at least about a year or two. Um, and then, you know, he was just like, Hey, you know, you want to, want to come do a couple of shows with us. You think you can kind of show up here and kind of remember this routine. And I was just kind of like, yeah. And it was really just kind of like doing shows at first. I wasn't really like competing with them or anything like that or competing under the name. It was just like, all right, cool. Yeah. I can come do this show with you. And that was pretty much it. That's how it got started with that that's how i got started with them and but i was just popping and um you know i wanted to break um but then there were some creative differences with the with the crew so i my focus was popping and mm -hmm. you know seven years into that um popping was cool but the scene started to change uh the music started getting different um what was hot as far as music was becoming different what was hot as far as like style wise, what people thought was a dope style and what they thought was dope because the music was getting stupid. In my opinion, uh, the dance style started to, in my opinion, started getting kind of boring and um, what people were thinking, like, this is cool. was really like, it was watered down. It was a lot of, a lot of the flavor wasn't there, the groove and everything. And I kind of got bored with popping and then the faces were getting new. So of course, like, the styles were getting new because the kids were so they were younger. There was like a good 10 to 15 years gap in between the age groups. And so there was, there was no like slow, um, like it wasn't like a gradual shift in the styles right? and how the kids were looking. And it was just like, here's your generation and here's your generation. And it's just completely different. So it got whacked to me and I just didn't like it that much anymore. And I was just basically, I was really inspired by a lot of breakers. I really didn't even watch popping. Like um, social media started to grow around this time. So YouTube started becoming a thing and you could literally just type in who you wanted to see, right? Mm -hmm. if, the, if that footage was uploaded, because this is like the earlier years of, of YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, so they, people had to upload their, their own stuff or somebody had to upload it too. And it was a process. So it wasn't like this thing where you're on your phone and you're like, boom, boom, boom. 
oh, boop, here's a button. It'll be up in 20 minutes. I can do it on my phone. Like the iPhone was just becoming a thing, right? right? right. So these are, this is like the early 2000s. So VHS and DVDs were still a lot of promoters, like secondhand bread and butter. Like they were still making a lot of money off those things. Um, and then YouTube comes out and then now you start seeing a, a, a shift in the hard copy. So I was that generation of watching that fade. So I'm in my early 20s around this time. Um, and I just kind of got bored with popping. Um, also, too, there was uh, some stuff going on internally in the crew as far as how I was practicing and being able to grow and expand. I was being stunted. So also, too, the aggravation of that was there. Right. So I didn't. I just didn't like practicing that much anymore. Hmm. And I was uh, very intrigued by like, by breaking. So that looked like more fun. Right. So I was like, okay, I want to kind of learn like this other dance. And I already had that, that drive in me to learn other dances because that's how I grew up. I, you know, okay, what's that? The running man. Oh, what's that? That's the wah. Oh, what's that? That's the Roger Rabbit. Oh, what's that? That's this and that. And like, well, let me learn this. Let me learn how to do this. So, all right, I'm going to learn how to pop. Oh, you should learn how to lock because most poppers lock. I was like, I'm not interested. I'm interested in breaking. Yeah, but most, most poppers, we all learn how to like, and I was just like different. I was just like, no, nah, I want to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, if you're going to do that, you should get in the house. Like, I, I didn't want, I liked watching it. I just didn't want to get into it. Yeah. You know, so I liked watching locking. I think it's an amazing dance. I just didn't care to learn it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got into breaking and then one day um, I had a, you know, there was a discussion with the, the president of the crew and I had just lost my shit, you know, and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, I don't feel appreciated. So I uh, packed my bags and said, all right, floor lords, I'm out. Um, I don't want to do this anymore because I want to, I kind of want to do my own thing and learn how to do something that um, I think that I could, I could be really good at, or that I really just want to get into regardless of the, the outcome. If right. I'm going to be good at like good or bad at it, I don't give a shit. I just want to learn how to do this. This is where I want to be. And I think that I'll be a lot more successful with this than with this. Um, so I left and then that's when, um, I was uh, breaking on my own for a while. There was uh, people like uh, Floor Rocks crew, shout outs to them um, for one, serving me a lot of beer <laughs> and <laughs> two, uh, really being like really good friends um, and just kind of talking with me, hanging around, um, you know, practicing with me. They kind of gave me like a second home. Uh, shout outs to the earlier, uh, well, that, I think it was like the second or third generation of the Problems crew that was located in Boston. At the time, um, it was uh, Step 2, uh, Tony, Brian, Uni, uh, Jet Leem. Shout outs to Jet Leem's, Jet Leem's, Jet Leem. Uh, he was one of the first B-boys I met when I moved to, I think he was the first B-boy I met when I moved to Boston. And, uh, you know, me and him go way back. He, you know, he helped influence me with, uh, with uh, writing, with graffiti, you know, um, stylizing letters. He was one of my 
first influences and actually helping me out. I was already writing before meeting him, but actually learning, I learned a couple of things from being around him with white graffiti. Um, same thing with, um, you know, there was a couple of people that I was writing, writing, not writing with, but learning from uh, Chem 5, Beyond, Demise, Pro Black, Aware, Flight. These are all people that I was around that influenced me, like just in the culture of hip hop. But um, yeah, I started linking up with the Problems crew and I started breaking with them. Um, I wasn't in the, the crew. I didn't represent the crew or anything like that. I, I was just hanging around them. I was already jaded by crews at the time. I didn't want to get down with anybody. Um, didn't want to, you know, shout out to Popsicle. Um, you know, XL was around. Uh, this is when we, we had a relationship. We don't have a relationship anymore. Um, we had a falling out, but I don't, you know, that's in the past. Um, but, you know, I was around, you know, we would hang out, show me a couple things. And it wasn't that I didn't know anything about breaking at all. It was just like, oh, you've got something. Here's a little bit of extra. Right. You know, oh, you're working on windmills, tuck your head in. Oh, you're working on da 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 da, put your arm on the side, you know, like little things like that, you know, just kind of helping and uh, picking up a couple of things from people here and there. And for once, I actually felt like people cared, you know, and it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like a, a tyranty of coaching or of helping. It wasn't like, do it like this and focus on there and stay there and just keep doing that. It was really like being at the gym, like, oh, if you really want to get maximum in your muscles, you know, when you go up with your arms, da, 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 da. And this will help give you that maximum, that the maximum, what you're doing now is great. Um, you will build muscle, but if you want to get your total max, do this and goodbye. Right. You know, right. It, they weren't hanging over you. Little tips yelling at you, you know, like it was just like, you know, they weren't hanging over your head and, you know, you're doing it wrong. You know, they weren't really, you know, it was just little tips, you know. Um, and if I ever felt or heard any of that type of attitude, I immediately would stop talking to the person hmm. or stop hanging around the person, you know. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I had some falling outs with a few people in the beginning with breaking because of the way their attitude was like, I already told you how to do it. It's just like, I'm not doing that no more. Like I already, I had to deal with that for, for several years, but like people who were coming up to me and just like, Oh, that's cool. Now try to do that shit backwards with your eyes closed, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. fuck, you know, and uh shout outs to step two for really being like a really good friend and just really helping, helping with breaking with me with that. So my footwork is actually based off of a lot of his own, his concepts. Hmm. Um, you know, he uh, first he was with uh, LOI, uh, Lords of Illusions, then uh, going over to Problems Crew and um, being in that uh, being in that crew and then leaving Problems Crew and being the founder of Del Fuego Wolfpack and becoming like one of my, you know, one of my good friends and really like, you know, every time I would do stuff, you know, he was never like that was that's whack. He never 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 use those words with me he was like it's cool um you know just think about it like this and maybe add something to it you know it was never like that's whack throw it away mm -hmm. you know it was like you know maybe we can work on this right. you know and you know maybe we could turn it into something else 
you know, it was never, you know, he was never like the type of guy to just, you know, shit all over your, your ideas, you know? Right. Right. Um, so being around that atmosphere really helped out a lot, you know, um, being able to, you know, joke freely and finally be around people that didn't like make fun of you. You know, they didn't talk shit about you. You know, they, you know, we joked with each other, but it was never to cut each other down, you know, like, um, so that was like really very healing for me around that time and being able to be in a newer atmosphere um, and just kind of like being able to grow and being okay with like being me and having that, that freedom to just be me was That's just important. great. Yeah. Yeah. It was very important. So that was like the blossoming of like where I put a lot of energy into like kind of getting down. Like my style in the beginning of breaking was um, it was influenced by what I had learned from the floor Lords. And then what I was learning from all these other kids mm-hmm. and what I had learned from other B-boys. It wasn't just like floor Lords, other kids. It was like, I had learned stuff from skill methods. I had learned stuff from, uh, renegades. I had learned stuff from Ivan, the urban action figure. You know, I had learned things from, um, even just like house dancers and, and poppers and lockers. And I was fusing all of this stuff together and kind of trying to develop this idea and kind of going, okay, well, what's everybody doing? You know? Um, and I remember being with Johan one day and we were listening to like, you know, the beats and everything like that. And some music was playing at practice. And I said, you hear all those sounds and all those beats, like everybody's missing all of those, you know, just try and hit all those. But you have to realize I'd come from popping. Mm-hmm. And that is how I looked at music. And that's how I looked at the dance. It was like, you had all of these sounds and all these, all these sounds and bells and whistles going off. And the strategy was how many of those can you hit? Mm-hmm. Like, can you hit that whole thing? How much of this song can you can you do like with your style, right? And I just remember talking to him about this and he goes, yeah, but you don't have to hit every beat. And I said, and I didn't say anything. I was just in my mind, challenge accepted. <laughs> so I just remember that moment. We were at this, uh, it was at a college practice. We were, you know, it was downstairs in a basement in a lunchroom. And it was funny enough, I'm there and a police officer walks in and goes like, oh, you guys are making all this racket. You need to turn this mu- music down. And I turn around and I look and it's my homie that I started with. <laughs> yeah, that I started popping with him while I was in Boston. His, his shout outs to my boy, uh, Spencer Sturdy. Um, and he's like a police officer and he was a he was a like an actual official police officer. But his shift was uh, to to guard like this college that we were practicing at in Boston had his uniform on and his gun and his everything. And he was, he's roughly about two or three years younger than me. Um, so he, he had about 21, 22 at the time. No, let me say maybe 20. Yeah. Maybe 24. Cause I would have been in my mid to late twenties at this time. So, yeah, I saw him there and it was really great re- yeah, reuniting with him. He still gets down every now and then, but, you know, he, he stopped. But if it wasn't for him, I think that even just grasping popping in another way 
uh, he was like my first dance partner, like official dance partner. That was we were dancing together, like doing routines together. Um, that was the that was the first homie. And like, um, I'll never I'll never take away those memories with him because like we were like inseparable at one point. Uh, every time we went to jams, it was like people didn't even recognize us as two separate people. It was like sturdy, sturdy and heat. Oh, sturdy and heat are here, like sturdy and heat. Like, and the routines that we used to kick were, we had some pretty fly routines. Man, I wish I, I had that stuff recorded, man. But <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have any of that stuff recorded. I wish I did. Well, wish maybe, I had that. Maybe one day in the future, you guys will reunite. <laughs> I can't even remember the stuff that we were doing. He was yeah, in, yeah. Uh, he was in a different type. We were in better shape, you know. We were fearless, you yeah, know. Yeah. Like we were jumping and rolling over each other, <laughs> you know. Like yeah, you know, it'd be cool if I put my head in the center of your back and started doing a wave, you know, and and flying over there. That'd be yeah, that's safe. Like yeah, you know, we, you know, that we were doing stuff like that. And, Oh man, uh, and you know, not not giving a fuck, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 40 now. <laughs> I would think I probably, I'm gonna think twice about doing that. Like, right. like I don't know, man. We might want to put some pads on the floor <laughs> before we uh, before we do this. But um, yeah, that was pretty much it. Like, I got into, I got in, I got, I gravitated towards uh, Johan more. Um, which was one of the reasons why I kind of started having a falling out with a couple of heads uh, because of the way that they thought about breaking. It was just very, uh, it was too macho hmm. and too power oriented. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't like power. It was the way that they were talking about power that turned me off to it because my first perspective about breaking was power. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was like, wow, these people are spinning on the floor and, spinning on their heads and you know wow look at how he just that flare what the hell is that seeing a continuous like air flare like holy shit this guy's like flying through the air like man i really want to do that wow he spun on one hand like while he's like you know you know it i didn't know the like name everybody's view when they first see breaking that's what right I'm yeah sure everyone thinks Right. But I also, too, you have to understand, I first saw the I, saw, I first saw breaking in the 80s yeah. on television right. and in movies. Mm -hmm. So when I saw breaking, this is another thing that's very important to me. I saw black people dancing. That's all I saw. Hmm. And that's what it was for me. And that is one of the reasons why I wanted to get into it, because it was a cultural thing. It wasn't cool. It was just this is what black people did, hmm. because. I did every other social dance that black people did. So it was only right to do this dance too because black people were doing it. I saw Latinos doing it as well. You know, if you see the movie Breaking, yeah, they weren't really breaking, but you look at the characters Turbo and Ozone, you have a Hispanic man and a black man. And then you look at, um, you look at the, well, you know, they were, it, the real names of Shabadoo and Boogaloo Shrimp then you see Electro Rock, those two characters, which was Pop and Taco, rest in peace, rest in peace, Shabadoo. And you see Popping Pete, who Popping Pete is a tall, dark-skinned black guy, right? I see people of color doing something. And that's what I always saw in music videos, people of color. I didn't see a lot of white people or Asians in that around that time dancing. I did not see that, you know? Um, 
it was black. It was still predominantly black to me. That was what it was. Um, I wanted to break because it was black culture and that was cool. You know, right. um, don't get me wrong. You see breaking the first time. That's like amazing. But I saw footwork first. You know, I saw top rock and all of these things put together. Then you see the Internet and then you see what you see in the movies. And, yeah, they're editing a lot of this stuff and they're just showing a lot of the windmills and the head spins. Yeah, that stuff is cool. But then, you know, I'm seeing it now in the 90s and I still see people doing footwork. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. I still wanted to learn how to like spin and stuff like that. That stuff was cool. And who, how, how badass is it going to be to be able to do this at the next talent show, you know, like at school, like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. I'm going to be cool now at school. If I can do windmill backspin and spin on my head. And sure enough, I learned how to do a damn windmill in my garage, you know, even though my fucking eyebrows were burnt off and like, <laughs> you know, had a couple bruises, but finally got that sucker, you know, um, and these are just like these things that, um, yeah, these are these things that you, you like, you're just, you get into it that way. And I was like, yeah. And then the cultural aspect of it became stronger, way stronger for me when I moved to Boston. Like I knew about the culture, uh, prior, but very little, like very little, like, and I, and I will stress very little, um, around that time. And then moving moving to Boston and finally being like just completely emerged into it, mm -hmm. um, learned so much very quickly and basically had to be a fly on the wall. So here we are fast forward and I'm like, all right, I'm gravitating towards my boy, Johan step two and learning footwork from him and getting all of these tips from him. Um, and my style kind of looked like his a little bit in the beginning with footwork. And then, um, I knew uh, this guy prior to meeting Johan. Well, I knew Johan first, but was introduced to Floor Phantom when I was with Floor Lords back in 05. And then watching him do footwork and then kind of hanging out with him occasionally, kind of going back and forth to New York and trying to like link up with him and just kind of pick his brain. Um, he was definitely younger than me, but the way he was doing footwork and the way he thought about it I was just intrigued by the way he thought about it and then kind of uh, still always being influenced and in, uh, and just inspired like hell by Ken Swift um, and kind of taking what I had learned from Floor Lords and putting all of and mashing all of these ideas together and learning just the basic concept of footwork. That's basically how I got started with footwork. Right, right. And what my earlier ideas of it were. And there was another kid um, named Gyro, Chris, with uh, Floor Rocks, and another kid named um, uh, Donnie with uh, Floor Rocks. That, those guys were into footwork as well and kind of practicing with them a lot and just being able to, you know, share with each other and cipher with each other. Uh, that's basically my introduction to it. Then meeting people down the line, like um, uh, Profo, uh, meeting him down the line, meeting Poe One down the line, um, even getting some some ideas from Ivan uh, Storm, um, not necessarily taking a workshop with them or anything like that, but just listening to them speak mm -hmm. and 
being able to take these ideas back. Uh, I remember watching, uh, coming in and sitting down with Floor Phantom one day. He went in because he was still training under Ken Swift. And I just kind of took pictures and just watched Ken Swift teach. And um, watching him teach and hearing what he was saying, I caught like the last 20 minutes of his class, his workshop when he was still working and teaching out. He had a studio here in New York that he was teaching out of. Hmm. And just like those 15 minutes was like a lifetime of information. And just hearing just those words within that, that, that time, being able to take that back and put that into my footwork, it, people even noticed a difference then. Just hearing him speak. Um, and that was it. Like, these are like all these little things. And like, you know, uh, actually later on, um, practicing with uh, someone, Junior Jigs, practicing with him a lot, um, practicing with Elmo from Street Masters and Abbey Girl, practicing with them when I moved here to New York. Uh, my footwork had already started making noise prior to meeting them and prior to practicing with them. But I had known them for years because of the Floor Lords. And having met them prior to that and going to jams, and I wouldn't say it's all because of the Floor Lords, but going to just jams and bumping into these people there and being able to see them record and make comments and you know say, hey, that was pretty cool. You know, um, that was like my history with knowing all of these people. And they all knew me as a popper. It's like, oh, there's that guy. He's a popper. You know, they watched me get down like, oh, he's really dope at this. And um, excuse me. Um, I was I was good during my time as a popper. Like I did my thing. I made some noise. But, you know, I, I got so far with popping. Um, but after a while, I was like, this is not what I want to do. Yeah. So, yeah, you you mentioned like all your all your influences and how you got into footwork and and that kind of stuff one thing i was kind of curious about was uh you mentioned a little bit but just more background on like del fuego wolfpack which is your one of your current crews yes and just kind of like yeah what you what you know about that crew and just some little background history on that okay so it's actually um a collaboration crew of several other crews that had become stagnant or some of us had become, you know, crewless. Mm -hmm. um, me being one of those crewless members, um, mostly everybody else, the crew that they had, they were a part of had become stagnant. Um, the founder is step two. Um, he, I just remember being at practice and he would always be like, I'm going to start another crew It's going to be called Del Fuego. That, that's what he was like saying. It was going to be called Del Fuego. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was like, ew. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and I just was like, whatever, dude. And he uh, had this hat, this, uh, he had this ski hat that said Fuego on the side. He's like, he's like, yeah, man, it's going to be called Del Fuego. And Johan's one of those dudes. Like if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And he has all these ideas and it's like, he's one of those, I, he's got a million ideas types of dudes. Uh, and one of them is going to, one's going to land like one or two, <laughs> right, right. you know, he's like, I got this idea. And then it's like, Oh boy. And then it's like, all right, then he goes out and he does it. And that's one of the things that I liked about him is he, he kept his word. Mm -hmm. He was never like this dude that just talked and talked and talked. He wasn't going to talk about it either 
unless it was less he was going to do it. Hmm. He would talk about it to see like, hey, what do you think about and just to kind of get an opinion. Right. But he would never be like, I'm going to one day I'm going to I'm really going to open up this shop. And then you would just hear about it for 20 years. And he was like, motherfucker, you ain't opening this shop. Like <laughs> he was just like, you know, he would say, you know, he's like, you know, I'm really thinking about going back to school and then he would go back to school. You know, like he wasn't he was never a dude that would just talk and talk and not do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those. I'm like that. So I liked how he, you know, it was just like, okay, we have something in common. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Right. Um, so he would always be talking about starting his crew and I would just be practicing with him. But in my head, I was like, oh my God, dude, like, no, <laughs> like, and then he, you know, um, there was a Aaron known as Shinobi and another kid named Baldi. Um, they're both in the crew. Shinobi has not, I haven't seen or heard from him in years. He, I just remember him uh, going off to the Air Force and hearing from him maybe once or twice. And then, you know, he served his time in the Air Force and he's been back for years, but have not seen his face in years. Uh, he was, uh, you can find some video of him with us uh, when we first got together, but um, uh, United Styles, uh, Big Jam that's out in Massachusetts now, I think they're like on number 14 or 15 by now, definitely up there in numbers. Um, but at the time, this was number seven, United Styles number seven. So, um, Damn, I think they're up there a number. They've got to probably be in the 20th one by now, maybe. Um, yeah, because yeah, this was like number seven, and that was roughly like 10 years ago. Jeez. So 17, 18, they're in like they're at number 18, 19, or 20 by now. Yeah. So this was number seven. And the jam was, I helped organize that jam when it first started. Um, you know, I was just an extra hand for Lino at the time. Like, hey, can you pick this up? Can you do this? Can you do that? Because um, when he first started that jam, yeah, I was in the crew. But I'm not in the crew anymore. And I'm, I'm now down with Del, like, Del Fuego is not a thing yet. But number seven's coming up. And that jam is known. It was a five on five at the time. And it was known for bringing in a lot of internationals, you know. And at the time, a lot of internationals were kicking butt. In my, in my head, I was like, I'm not ready to battle somebody from another country. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm, I haven't really been killing it like that. You know, I'm not that good. You know, this is me with my self-doubt and just like, you know, I've only been breaking for like a year now, year and a half. You know, um, yeah, I won a couple of uh, battles here and there, <laughs> you know, and it's only been like me breaking solidly for like a month, like a year or so and baldy goes hey there's a five on five coming up we should enter and i was like we (laughs) i'm like looking at him like who are you talking to i was like you shinobi and johan right he's like no you should do it with us because we were all practicing together already so we were already kind of developing like some chemistry and a bond together right they were helping me with like backspins and windmills and stuff, but I was very shy about using my power at the time. Um, 
I don't know why I just stopped using it. Oh, it was because like, again, the way people talked about the, some people that were around me, the way they talked about it was irritating. Right. Right. So I was, you know, it's gotta be like this. And mine wasn't like that. Right. It was just, it was my power. And so I just was like, man, fuck it. I'm not using it. It's just not ready. Hmm. Um, So I just stopped using it. And then it was so hit or miss at the time that I just really didn't want to use it. And I was just like, you know, I would try to do a windmill and not stab right. And then it just wasn't rolling out right. But at practice, I was nailing it. But in these battles, I was like, man, this is too hit or miss. So I was just like, all right, let's just abort mission with it in battles for right now. And we're going to, we're going to use this. And plus my musicality was so strong that I was beating people with it. Hmm. And so Johan was like, and Jet Liam, I'm going to tell you a little side story. And cause he's in the crew too. And this is, this is what helped form like Del Fuego and what helped form my style. I remember being at a uh, shout outs to Nemesis for chicken and beer. I remember being at one of his earlier chicken and beers and I was there and it was me, uh, Jet, uh, Jet Lean and XL. We had driven up. Uh, we had drove up from Boston to come to chicken and beer. We drove down actually. And um, I was uh, ciphering and somebody had cut me off and it was loose Lee had cut me off. And I was like, this fucking guy. And um, Kid Glide was across the way. And I think this is like loosely was kind of just getting in to like uh, dynamic and, you know, dynamic had, you know, they were trying to keep their reputation and stuff like that. So I see Glide like whispering in his ear, like, got to battle this guy and da 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 da. Cause I was coming up at the time. Like I was, mm-hmm. you know, making some noise. And uh, Leem was like, yo, you got to smoke this guy now because he cut you off. And Liam was very cypher, like he was very aggressive in the ciphers. And he was like, smoke him, battle him. He was always like there in my ear. And he, so um, he's like, all right, do this on your first round. So I go in and I'm doing like some footwork and, you know, it's like, keep it like this. And, you know, he's helping me you know, get up and he's like, good, 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 good. And then he's like, your next round, you know, you're going to do a power set. And I said, all right, cool. And this guy loosely goes in and does flares on his wrist, goes air flare and goes down to 90 and catches a baby. And then Liam goes, don't do power. Don't do power. Don't do power. And then I'm like, okay, okay. He's like, kill him with style. You got mad style. So I was, this is like, what? And, you know, I'm thinking about it in my head. I'm like, the fuck does that mean? And what do I do? Like, what the hell do I, what the hell do you mean? And then I go in and I'm like, what the fuck do you mean by that? <laughs> so then I'm moving and I do my thing and I get up and he's like, good, 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 good. He's like, now do this, do that. And then, you know, the, the cypher battle ends and Liam's like, all right, you didn't beat him, but, you know, you held it down. You know, you, you'll get it next time. And, you know, and I'm like, all right, word. And I'm walking away. And then I'm still in my head, like, what the fuck did you mean by killing with style? Like, and then people were coming up to me and they were like, yo, man, you got mad style. Yo, man, you got mad style. And then I was just kind of like, the hell does everybody mean? Like, the fuck is going on here? And then kind of watching how people were breaking, I started to understand what they meant. Um, 
and I started to see how much breaker b-boys and b-girls don't have style they have a style there's a difference between having a style and having style and a lot of them don't have style they don't know how to move and they don't know how to dance and i started to see like what was separating me from all the other ones mm -hmm. and how the i had like style and style was like is just as simple as wearing your hat sideways you know and these are like these things how you wear your clothing how you wear your hat and how you how you wear your, your your sneakers, how you wear, you know, jewelry, how you walk down the street. These are things that are all style. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had I had that and I had it naturally. And it was separating me, um, not in a bad way, but in a good way. So I started to lean on that a lot more and started to go like, all right, um, I move a little different than everybody else. And I started using that more instead of power. And I started using my musicality more than power. So back to Del Fuego, we, we have to do this jam. And I'm shitting bricks because I'm like, man, like, the fuck, they, they're throwing me into the frying pan right now. Like, they're, I'm out of the fire and into the frying pan. And it was just danger after danger. And um, it's just the four of us at, time, at this time. And, you know, it's a five on five. So we're like, we need a fifth. And Baldy's like, no, nah, we don't need a fifth. We can do it with just a four, us four. Somebody's just going to have to pick up the extra slack. So Johan goes like, nah, for this jam, we need a fifth. So we asked Babel. And Babel goes, yeah, sure. He shows up to one of the practices. Um, <laughs> and, and at the time, he was, Babel was blowing up, though, um, as far as doing um, some TV shows and movies and stuff. So his schedule was quite busy. You know, um, he was growing as an artist himself so we all all the five of us you know i'm sitting here thinking like all right we're just going to enter as baldy shinobi heat step two and bebo right we don't got a name i'm like cool i think i'm ready practicing i practice these routines with them you know and then um the jam's coming up and then it's like the day before the jam and I was seeing somebody at the time. And I just remember saying to them, I was like, I'm really nervous because I don't want to let these guys down. Like, you know, they're, they're all of them at, you know, still to this day are way better than me. And I was just like, man, these guys are way better than me. And I have to, you know, you know, I got to hold down my rounds and, you know, they were like, yeah, just hold it down. Don't worry about it. Just hold it down. And this is the thing, like how they believed in me versus how I believed in myself, right? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like this, this thing that I didn't realize until years later, but they're like, come on, you're going to do this thing with us and da-da-da-da-da. So I'm like, all right, cool. And I go to the jam and it's the prelim day that was held at this, uh, this dance hall. And I remember going in and... Baldy comes up because he had I got in there a little bit after everybody and he comes up mad excited skipping back he's like all right guys I signed us up yo and I was like all right word what do we signed up as he's like del fuego I was like fuck <laughs> I was like oh shit man come on dude and I was like all right whatever we're called del fuego and uh, our first battle our prelim battle was against dynamic rockers you can actually find that battle online and um, 
uh, Mean 187 was a thing around the time. He was a, like, he was really making a lot of noise. Uh, shout outs to him too. He was actually one of my influences as well. And we'll talk about Top Rock later and the influence with that. So we battled them. Um, Boston was very excited because, you know, home team of a collaborated team of like a Boston super crew was a thing. And everybody's like, oh shit, Del Fuego Wolfpack, you know? This is like, well, Wolfpack wasn't tacked on yet. It was just Del Fuego. And it was like, cool. So, you know, Boston was cheering us on. And um, we make past prelims. I think it was, I believe Nasty Ray was one of the judges at the time. Mm. Um, and then the next day we, um, we were doing the five on five and we're just kicking butt. Um, the one of the, I forget the name of the crew, but they, at the time they were a big deal, uh, European crew. It was just three of them. Um, Polsky, I think it was, I think it might've been Polsky flavor. Hmm. Um, and they were a big name at the time and it was three of their members. Um, two of them were not around, but the three of them, uh, oh, we had battled Battleborn first. We beat them. Um, then we battled this European crew next. We'd beaten them. And then we got to, we're in the top four and it was Flavor Squad. So it was Naughty One, El Nino, Vicious Victor from Canada, uh, Prevail from MZK, and uh, my boy Ross, shout outs to Ross. And that was the Flavor Squad crew at the time. Um, and we lost to them in the top four. And we had to do third place. We had to battle again for third place. And it was Dynamic Rockers. We battled them again. We beat them and we got third place. And that was the birth of Del Fuego from that jam. And then the next day, um, I'm in a group chat. <laughs> and it's like, hey, guys, let's keep this going. And we could keep practicing together and this and that. And it was supposed to be a one-night stand, and it wasn't. Yeah. And then uh, we started recruiting people. Uh, you know Brian Pistols and Tony T-Bags, if you know those guys. They were from Problems Crew, and Problems Crew had become stagnant, and Johan was in Problems Crew, and he was literally on his way out the door with that because there was some internal issues going on. And it, uh, he was like, I'm not fucking with... Um, a particular somebody in this crew anymore. So therefore I don't want to be involved with the crew that much anymore. Not that I have beef with other people in the crew. It's just that I'm not happy here. And so he invented Del Fuego and Tony and Brian were like, yeah, we're not too happy with what's going on and we're leaving. And uni was in a problems crew and was like, yo, y'all can't just leave me by myself. So uni joined and he was from problems crew. And then jet lean was like, hold up. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be the only one representing problems crew in Boston and not getting down with the people I love was good. So we took on him. He was from problems crew as well. And he jumped on board. And so, and then there was Archie, um, either, you know, Archie streets, Archie pumper, Archie, uh, Archie Cinco. Um, <laughs> that's the homie. Uh, he was, um, I used to tease him and call him our intern because he was kind of, you know, still get, he was still getting it together, but he was studying under like Johan a lot. 
So Johan was like, yo, he's a good kid and da 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 da. He, you know, I was like, look, as long as we don't have to tell him he needs to practice, um, yeah. he, can, he can join. And that's how I felt about Archie at the beginning. I didn't know him very well, but then started to get to know him more and more and just was like, yeah, you know, he's a good kid. And he started uh, practicing with us. And that was, that, was, uh, that was the birth of Del Fuego. It was me, Shinobi, uh, Bebo, um, Baldi, and Johan who started it. We were the original five. Then Tony, Brian, um, Uni, Jet Leem, and Archie came uh, second. That was the second wave, but that was literally like almost like two or three days later. <laughs> um, and then uh, Bombi got put down some odd years later. We'd put we had battled battled him in. Um, I had danced with Baldi, uh, Bombi in Floor Lords. I'd known him from when I was dancing with Floor Lords. So we already knew each other. We already had chemistry together. Um, just dancing, not, not, not teamed up, but just dancing and shows together and, you know, rides and, you know, stuff like that. I'd known him for years. And then later on, um, I started teaching Haruka. What, uh, she goes by Hatch. She's a Japanese girl that uh, I met her here in New York and started training her, put her down later. And then later on, put down um, Stacy from um, from Belarus. You know, uh, so now you've seen her around. She did a lot of the Olympic stuff, and you know, she was getting she's making some noise, making it to the finals. She's taken a bit of a hiatus just because of work and things like that. But um, we team up whenever we can. So they're the first, like they're the first two females to be in our squad, and they've got put down sometime last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the both of them, we battled them in, and then yeah, that's the squad now. Nice. Yeah, that's the Del Fuego's been around for like uh, I believe this is our eleventh year now. And uh, I I didn't know this, but you're also connected with Cypher Sons. Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? So um, at the time, I was seeing this uh, this girl, and she wanted to take a trip to Montreal. And I had never, nope, I had been to Montreal before. Take that back. I went up for Just for Laughs with Aaron and uh, Aaron was Shinobi and Baldi some years back before, um, I think Del Fuego was, we were solid, but we weren't like really like using the stamp as much. And uh, we had drove up to Montreal and I met, I not met, but I had already known some heads up there and, you know, was saying hi to them. And um, uh, Lynx, shout out to Lynx. Uh, she's been dancing in Montreal area for like years for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had come up with my girl for Just for Laughs and uh, we stayed at a hotel that they rented for us. And I had come back and uh, shout outs to Omen. He was there and I was kicking it with Omen. And then... Um, my girl wants to go to Montreal to party. And I was pretty like systematic at the time. And that was just because of like how we did jams. You know, you, you go to the country, you go to the hotel, you go to the jam, you go to the after party, you go home. You don't really walk around and get to see the area as much, go on a tour. And, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't doing things like that yet. I wasn't seeing the area as much and exploring so I was kind of lame in that aspect and I feel bad for 
my girl, the, my ex at that time, you know, just kind of, I wasn't into that stuff, but I was kind of like a sourpuss and she was like, Oh, we're going to go around. We're going to go to the club. And I was never really a nightclub type of person. Hmm. Um, I was definitely never a top 40 type of person either. <laughs> so I didn't really like going to top 40 shit. And she, you know, she went with her brother, which I've still to this day was pissed about. Cause I was just like, why the fuck are we going on a trip with you and your brother? Like, why can't it just be me and you? Like yeah. another long story, but, um, so, uh, links, and uh, there's Monster Pop at the time, too. And Monster Pop was like, yo, I'm going to be judging this battle. You should come. And that was a crosstown. But then Lynx is like, hey, there's a breaking slash popping battle. You should come to this. I'm judging it. Da -da 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 -da. And I was like, cool. So while I was in Montreal, it just so happened that um, this was going on at the same time. So I was like, babe, can we do this? And I want to go to this battle real quick. And I also will go do what you want to do. I just want to do this battle while you go do whatever you guys want to go do. So I went to the battle by myself and my ex and her brother went and went to go do some other shit while I was at the competition. And I was there, Lynx was judging and I was ciphering and, you know, these kids, all these kids were getting down and then, um, I'm battling for the breaking battle and it comes down to four people and it was like a cypher four-way thing and two people got eliminated. It was Suji and another guy. And then it was between me and another guy. His, and his name is Kinks. And it was me in the finals. Uh, and then I won. I beat this kid Kinks. And at the time I used to make a habit of taking um, some of the winnings of the money and I would give a fraction to the loser because it was only first place back then. You, there was no second place. These second and third place checks and shit like that. There was none of that. Mm -hmm. It was just you when you win it, you lose. So I gave the kid like 20 bucks and it was, you know, it was kinks. I said, hey, buy yourself a drink tonight. And he kind of looks at me like, motherfucker, you know, and I was just <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, that kid wasn't happy. And I was just like, and I didn't think anything of it. And um, somehow uh, this kid, uh, Suji, and I, and I stress kid because he was like in his teens. Hmm. I was in my 20s. He had to be about 16. Hmm. So I was, or 17 or something, or, or 18 maybe. I was already like 27, 28 already, right? And he hits me up online. He was like, yo, you man, fresh. And we started talking about music and and style and all this stuff. We started talking about this stuff. So we kind of had a lot in common. This is after I left Montreal. So we just kind of started a bond. And, you know, he invited me out to teach a workshop. He, he invited me to come hang out, you know, and do all these things. And I started like connecting with them a lot and meeting the rest of the crew and just developing a really strong relationship with them. So eventually they asked me, hey, would you be interested in being down? You know, because I, I was actually making trips up there like maybe two or three times a year to compete with them and, and just like hang out. Mm -hmm. And that's how I developed a relationship with Cypher Sons. And then eventually I did an exhibition battle against uh, Frostalino. Mm -hmm. and, um, and at the same time, I was recruited into the crew finally during that exhibition battle. And I think Frostalino was um, 
I think, I believe, no, he was my second exhibition battle. My first exhibition battle was against Rich Nice at MIT in Boston. And this was before Del Fuego. So uh, we uh, started linking up and I finally joined the crew. And we, yeah, we've been really cool ever since. Um, just kind of going out to Montreal like three and four times a year. I was bringing the boys out as well too from Del Fuego. So Del Fuego got a good acquaintance with them as well. You know, they, we all ask about each other. Hey, how's the boy that, you know, they ask about Del Fuego. Del Fuego asks about Cypher Sons and they're like, oh, how's the guys doing? And I'm like, yeah, everybody's good. So-and-so got married. So-and-so had kids. Um, Cypher Sons now, um, they're not dismantled. They're, you know, they get down. They're just not as active as they used to be anymore. Mm -hmm. um, most of them are having kids. Uh, one of them is, one's married. Um, another one is really deep into a, a very loving relationship. Uh, another one got very heavy into podcasting and um, social media. Um, my boy Amel is, you know, he's about to get married. Uh, Hop had a kid. He's married. Uh, Jubai has the studio. I believe he's, um, no, he doesn't have kids. Um, Firetrack, doesn't, I don't really see much of him, but he got into his video production stuff a lot. Um, yeah, they're around, you know, they're, you know, they're working more. Um, that's, that's Cypher Sons. I still rep them. I still, you know, okay. still put the name out there when I can. Um, that's it. Uh, there's some newer, younger guys that are down, but like, I don't know if they're throwing down like that as much anymore. Right. Um, I haven't seen them because the pandemic slowed things down. And I think the first time I'm going to be able to see them is because I'm going up for a wedding. Um, and like, yeah, I definitely need to make a trip up there that just kind of like hit a jam or something. Um, it's been a, it's been a very, very long time. Yeah. I think yeah. the pandemic's done a lot of, a lot of that to a lot of people. Yeah. Like, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Cool. Yeah, I just had no idea. Yeah, me and me and Suji kind of connected through podcasting randomly. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you know Suji. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just kind of like connected through that. I actually met him like a long time ago up in like Whitehorse, which is like northern northern Canada. They had some mm -hmm. like youth youth breaking conference event thing, and he was yeah. one of the people that was invited out there. So yeah, he was really working with the youth for a very long time. Yeah. yeah, man. Shout outs to him, man. He's really doing his thing. His, uh, yeah, man. He's, uh, he looks great. Very healthy, you know, you know, still, still rocking when he can still getting down still, mm -hmm. you know, he works with kids every now and then, but yeah. damn, I didn't know you knew this. I didn't know you knew the squad. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wait, did you know I was down with Cypher Sons? Maybe I heard it like a while ago, but I, I forgot or something, but, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. It was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, man. You mentioned a little bit about your your kind of footwork influences and history and how you got into that. Mm -hmm. And another big thing that you are really known for is, is your top rock. And it's mm -hmm. I think that's how when I first saw you, that was the thing that I saw you for was like your top rock. And I was like, oh, man, this guy is like you said, you mentioned it before with the style versus having a style and when i saw you i was like oh man this guy knows how to dance and that's mm -hmm. rare in the breaking community right <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so can yeah. you talk a little bit about about uh top rock how you got 
into that or how uh, who your Funny influences enough. were in that that kind of thing. Funny enough, the jam and the person that influenced me just recently got posted. Let me see if I can. All right, so this is the battle and the moment that I got inspired. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was in the crowd. I would say I'm behind him, probably over on this side. Mm -hmm. um, this is Mighty Four. Mm -hmm. um, I believe I can't remember what year this was. Um, I think it was maybe 2000. Um, no, it's 06. This is 06. And uh, I was there and I'm standing on the back of a chair and it was a couch and it was a very thin back and it was broken. So it was wobbly. And I'm like standing on this thing, like my feet are like literally balancing like this on the back of this thing. And I'm trying to watch because people were going nuts. Yeah. Uh, during this top rock battle and i'd for, seen for top rock before were, for people who are just listening he showed yeah. a video of uh of why not one of the yeah. one of the guys who kind of changed the game as far as uh breaking and top rock and and people actually starting to think about that in well the dance. so i'll put you on to a couple of things with that as well too um so i'd seen top rock before and one of the first guys that i looked at um, that nobody's, you're not going to know this guy's name. His name was basic. Mm -hmm. And I, he was really good at top rock. He was in Boston and he had style with it. Um, and some of like my ideas actually came from this guy too. When I saw why not though, mm -hmm. at that point, I was like, I, I want to try this. <laughs> like, you know, I think I want to, I think I'm sold on this now. Um, cause if this guy's killing this, this is really cool. And I saw him at this battle and I, my, I, I was inspired right then and there. Like I was like, I want to learn how to do this. Mm -hmm. So I was still popping. I was still with the Floor Lords. I hadn't left that crew yet. So it would be another, if it's 2006. So hold on. Two, three, four, five, six. It's not going to be another, it's not until another um, four years that I would leave and actually dive in. But after seeing this, I started dabbling in it and kind of like going, like if I was at a nightclub and nobody was looking, you know, I would try to like do it a little bit. And then I was like watching the, the guy basic a lot more now. And I started paying attention to everybody. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I stress everybody. So I don't care how good you were or how bad you were, I would look at your top rock. And then I was looking at, I was trying to find relevancy. And what I mean by relevancy is looking for common steps. And cause I didn't know much about it. So I was like, all right, that guy does it. That guy does it. That guy does it. That guy's doing it. That's the basic then. That must be the basics. All right, that guy does it. That guy's doing it. That guy's doing it. That means that's the basics. All right, cool. It's in a routine. That means it's basic. <laughs> okay. Um, I've seen this person do this and I saw it in this routine. And I started here. This is the basic. Then I started going and I was talking to Floor Phantom and he was he started dropping all the names of the vocabulary of it. And then I would just keep an ear out for the names of everything. 
So then I would just be like, oh, that's the name of this. That's the name of that. So for a long time, I was top rocking and didn't know the names of the steps. And, you know, but I also came up with a lot of old school heads who were like, it doesn't matter. That were like, back then we didn't even have names. We just did it. And now they have names because you kids need to learn. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I always kind of clung on to that and going like, all right, I don't need to know the name. And so traveling a lot and people started naming things. And then I was like, okay, it might be a little important to kind of learn the names because then I, people know what I'm talking about, especially when I started teaching. Mm -hmm. So then I started learning that people had different names for the same step. You know, I can go places and what we know is a two-step or a cross-step. Some people call that the Indian step. And then some people call the Indian step a cross-step. Some people call it an Apache, an Apache twist. And some people call it a, a kick twist. And some people call it a twist step. So there's all different kinds of names. And then after a while, I'm like, okay, it matters. And it actually doesn't fucking matter if you know the name of it. It just depends on where you come from. And right. learning all of these names is it's helpful. And then I said, you just call it what you want to call it. Okay. If you came up knowing that it was called the red dot slide forward move, then you keep calling it that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, and you know, the, whatever the history is behind that, learn it, but learn the other names too. So if you're, it's like speaking another language. So if I say a cross step, if I say a cross step and you start doing the Apache twist, then I know, you know, it is this. And then I can tell you, all right, I know this as this. So, so we're on the same page. I am talking about this when I right. say this, right. you're not wrong. Just depends on where you come from. Mm -hmm. So I saw why not and was immediately inspired and was like, that sparked something in me. And so this is where Mean 187 comes into play. Um, and this is where Nemesis, Samo, uh, my homie Brooks, uh, yeah, it's just them, I believe, at this time with Top Rock, just them. And Basic, Basic wasn't competing. And by this point now, I'm dabbling in it and I'm getting better at it secretively, <laughs> like on the low, like no one, everybody still knows me as a popper, but occasionally I would get down at clubs and all these B-boys and B-girls would go like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like, how do you know how to do that? And you're pretty good at that. Like the fuck? So people were like whispering in my ear, yo, you, you got some, you got some style with that. Like, you're pretty good at that. And then I started figuring out a way to train it on my own. So I came up with my own way of training Top Rock. Mm -hmm. And this actually became the foundation of how I train others to do Top Rock and the tactics. But then later on, uh, training and doing Top Rock with other Top Rock heads and finding out that they had discovered the same pattern in the same way of training and that there was a similarity in the way that we all looked at it. And I'm not talking about all the top rockers. I'm talking about the 1%. And I, when I say the 1%, it's Stamo, Why Not, Nemesis, um, Stuntman, Eddie Styles, you know, uh, even uh, Lady C. And all of these people, they, we all, the way that we all think about it, we all think about it the exact same way. And that's why we all were killing it and smoking people because we all figured out like this, this universal like law, <laughs> like 
and it was like we would talk and then we'd be like wait you do it that way too i thought i was the only one and they were like no and it was like this weird thing of like being like a superhero and finding out hey we all have superpowers and we all can like levitate holy crap like and kind of like having this thing in common and um you know i leave uh leave the crew start doing my thing and um i'm showing up to these jams and i'm and i'm top rocking and people are picking up on it and seeing it and giving me props and asking me what my name is and not in the in not in the uh the battles in the ciphers so i'm getting um i'm getting recognition from ciphering um and people are what's your name who are you da da da, da. where are you from you know they're talking to me this way and i'm getting i'm getting recognition through ciphering and then i um you know, it helps, you know, it was building some confidence and boosting, you know, boosting the ego a little bit. And I was just like, okay, cool. I got it. I've got to be doing something right. You know, cause I'm doing this by myself at this point. Cause I just left the crew and, you know, I'm, I'm not by myself. I have friends and, you know, some people that are helping me, but I'm literally like putting all of this together by myself. You know, I, you know, I don't have a crew and I'm doing these top rock, you know, I'm getting down. Sometimes I would just go into ciphers and just top rock and leave and, that's when I met Samo. And Samo goes, he looks and he's like, you know, he's doing this. And we met in crossing in the ciphers. And I was like, oh, this is a tall dude. This got a little, you know, he's got something too. And then I'd known Nemesis for years. And then even Nemesis starts, you know, turning his head, you know, and kind of like, you know, you know, doing like stuff like that, not in a bad way, mm-hmm. but like, wasn't this guy a popper? Like, you know, like. <laughs> You know, and like people are doing that, you know, the, the, and just a boot comes around and I believe it's 2000 and, uh, 2011 maybe. And, uh, it's in New York. And I, uh, I remember I stayed at DP one's house, the, uh, ill DJ, I was crashing at his crib and I, my, my ex was going to come up later and come with me. And I said, I really want to do this jam. And there was a top rock. It was just for the top rock battle. And it was just the, it was the first top rock battle I'd ever, ever entered. So I'm like, all right, cool. The winner goes to Paris and da, 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 da. And people are already like, yo, you got some sauce. Like you can do it. Da, 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 da. And plus in Boston, wasn't nobody out there top rocking like that, except for, and my, at least let me not say not top rocking, but not putting in the effort to go compete with it and actually putting in a lot of work with it. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody, there was not really anybody, there was not one person I could think of that was like, I'm going to do top rock. Like I'm going to do this. Like, mm-hmm. and so I was that guy. And so I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go do this. I go to the jam and Sam was there and King up rock was judging. And I just remember talking to him before the jam. It was like, it's like, yeah, I'm a little nervous about this. And he was like, why? I was like, it's my first one. He's like, don't worry about it, bro. You see how, you'll see how it goes. I was like, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So uh, this is actually how I met Eddie Styles. Um, uh, Joey Groons was there as well. Shout outs to Joey Groons. He was one of the top eight. And I, I believe like 40 or 50 guys entered and girls. And they were only taking eight. And I got picked and I was like, wow, 
and people, you know, and I think this, the top rock scene at the time was like, who the fuck is this kid? <laughs> and who the fuck are you? Because it was like top rock had a very long line. And I, a lot of people don't know this. Top rock has a very long line. And I said, well, fuck this. <laughs> I, I kind of cut the line. Right. And I went around all of these people, you know, and Mean 187 was there. And I, you know, I had seen some clips of him. And when I saw all of these guys, I saw all of them through YouTube first. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't seen any of them in person because everybody was like, Top Rock, you getting into that? You need to watch these guys. And I was already like, I'm going to hit all these beats and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And da, 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 da because that was my impression of Top Rock. That's how I thought about it. And that's what I thought you were supposed to do. It wasn't like, I'm gonna take this person's style. I was just like, well, this is how people do it. That's how Top Rock is done, right? So I see Mean 187, I see Floor Phantom, and uh, there's a clip, you should look it up, Breaker's Delight. All of them are there, Nemesis is there, and they're all competing against each other. And watching those battles were the battles that inspired me the most. And I watched these Breakers Delight battles and I watched them just murder these beats and just massacre these beats. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm on the right path. I'm already doing that. So good, good, good. I know what I'm not, you know, I'm not behind. And I said, but I'm going to be faster and better than these guys. And I literally said that to myself. And I was like, I'm going to be better than all of them. And I'm going to smoke all of them. You know, and that was my attitude at the time. And I was just so inspired by all of them and just intrigued by all of them. Not like they're whack, they can't beat me. It was like, I'm going to beat all of these guys one day. I'm going to beat all of them. And... Mind you, Samo was at Breaker's Delight, but did not get selected, I don't believe, or he got eliminated early. But I go to Just a Boot. So um, Samo gets selected. I got selected. I was like, holy crap. Um, first top rock battle entered, and I'm in the top eight. This is great. And I go. I compete. Top eight. I battle Samo and I lose. And at the time I was talking to Owen and I said, what man, what do you think? And he watched it and he says, you're trying too hard to win. He's like, that, that's not what I've seen you do. And he was like, you gotta make sure you do all the other stuff that you're good at, you know? And kind of spread it out a little bit. You were trying too hard to beat him. And I was like, nah, nah, I was killing it. And now when I look at it, I was like, yeah, he's right. I was trying too hard. So that was my first introduction to Top Rock Battles. Just a Boo comes rolling around again. Actually, pause. Bam. It's a Top Rock thing out. And just think of Bam as a, as a sister Just a Boo, but in Montreal. I'll bust the move, right? Yeah, bust a move. Right. So it was in Montreal, and uh, I believe it was uh, uh, Spice was her name? Spicy, I think. Yeah, Spicy or Spice. 
used to throw uh, that. Shout outs to her. Mad love to her. Um, actually, if it wasn't for her, even the, the, the impression that I left in Montreal is because of BAM. So I came up and Samuel's there. And this year, uh, I believe Wiggles is judging. Wiggles is judging. And I go and I'm there. I battled the some of their, I battled some of Montreal's, like their guys that they're scared of, right? When it comes to top rock. So I battled those guys and just took them out. And so Montreal was like, wait, who's this? And, and Samo was there just taking them out, like just smoking them all. And then it's, uh, I remember, I can't find this footage and I wish I had it, but I battled Frostalino in the top rock. And I th think a lot of people were like, whoa, like, cause Frostalino was like one of their like top guys at the time and beating him. And I didn't know who he was at the time. So these are like, these are those things where people are just kind of like, you know, and that was one thing that I did like, I did this strategically. I didn't watch battles and I strategically didn't want to know who people were anymore because I didn't want to be afraid of something that I didn't know, like that I knew about. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to go, oh God, it's Kid David. Oh my God, it's so-and-so. Well, I didn't want to do that anymore. So I just stopped watching. So I was, I was more comfortable with the unknown, like not knowing what they were doing. So that way I was like, don't underestimate them. Just fucking smoke them. Make sure they can't come back from anything you do. And that was the mentality that I had. So battling Frostalino and I beat him. And then it's now it's the top. Um, it's the final. Yes, right. It was the final. And I was pissed because I battled Frostalino. I'm walking off the stage and they go, Heat Rock, don't go anywhere. And I'm like, what? Come back, final. And I was like, wait, what? And they were like, we're doing this right now. I didn't get any time to breathe. I battled Frostalino, did two rounds with this guy, and then they go, come back. And then I'm like, um, that's fucked up. No, it was one round. Yeah, we only got one round. So I did one round, and then I had to come back. Samo had literally at least at least five ten minutes to rest mm. and i'm like fuck and then i had to battle him in the in the final i'm a little gassed but that's no excuse i still had held it down and he beats me again um mind you he won that just debut so that the first time i lost against him he wins that just debut he goes to fucking paris loses in the finals though mm. and then that was that. I'm like, fuck. Just a boot comes rolling around again. This time the qualifiers in Montreal. I go up to Montreal. This is how I met Lady C. And I'm battling um, Dr. Something. What's his name? I can't remember. His name slips my mind right now. Um, Dr. Step or something? Is that Maybe Dr. No, I can't remember. Yeah. Sounds so familiar, I, but doc, I, it might've been Dr. Step. Yeah. 
I forget. No, not the fuck is his name. Anyway, <laughs> cool guy. Really amazing. Um, I think it is Dr. Dr. Step, but um, cool guy. Amazing guy. So I battled him and beat him. And then it was Samo right after that. Top, top four now. And this time around, I'm like, all right, fuck this guy. Um, <laughs> and I was, uh, he knows about this, but I was starting to develop a complex against him. And I started to like build this animosity towards him. And it wasn't because he had done anything. It was because the people I was hanging around at the time, which wasn't a healthy relationship, they kept teasing me about the fact that I was losing to him. And it started, I started to get mad and he had done nothing wrong. <laughs> like this guy had done nothing. So every time I would see him, I was very half-assed with my, with my introduction to him and my hellos and you know, like even I, even my tone was a little like, Hey, Samo for no reason. And, you know, he was just very like, the fuck is your problem? <laughs> like, well, and he kept it cool. And I, I, I love him for that. So I'm, I'm very glad. And um, I think one day I was hanging out with him in New York in the park. And I, I think that was when I finally was like, you know, I'm, I'm mad at this person for no reason. That's, that's kind of fucked up. So um, we're we're doing just a vu, and it's top four. And this time it's a tiebreaker. And in my head, I'm like, motherfucker, I know I beat you. I know I got this guy this time. And then, you know, but his name was like it was big at this time. And then fucking lost. It's fucking tiebreaker. And I was just so fucking pissed i was just like what am i doing wrong like what why can't i get this like what is going on and i was like man am i am i missing something is there something he has that i don't have and it was just like and i wasn't gonna like start dressing like him or or trying to battle like him because i was like his style was just the way that i described the way i described uh samuel's top rock is like it's like the power head of top rock that's how I describe him. Like, he's got style. He knows how to dance. He's doing his thing, but it's very powerful. Like, it's right. the way that it moves is very, it's like, there's a lot of explosive moves in the way that he does, like, in the way that he, he moves. I consider him the power head of Top Rock. Hmm. Like, he's, to me, he's like the pocket of Top Rock. <laughs> like, this insane speed and, like, just muscle with the way that he moves. So, and the way that he mixed house with his top rock was incredible. So that's mm -hmm. what makes him unique in the way that he top rocks. Right. And so I lost to him and that wouldn't be the last fucking time. <laughs> so I believe I did another bam this time. No, the next bam. And actually I'll, t I'll come back to the next bam. Cause that one was very important. Cause that one also is the history of top rock. So this other one, skipping that last one and skipping this one that I'll come back to, going to the two-on-two -two top rock band. And this time now I'm stationed in New York. I finally live in New York. And it's like my first year there. And I get an email. And it's Lady C. And she goes, hey. 
pause before this, and this is why it was really kind of surprising and important to me. Top Rock City was a thing. I'd never been to one, never competed in, in one, never done it, but it had made its tour around the world and why not? And uh, Wiggles was the, they were the head of that. And they came up with the, what up everybody? It's your boy, why not? And your boy, uh, Wiggles. And we are here to present to you the top 10, Top Rock City's best 10. I remember and, this, yeah. Right. Okay. And there was so many people bitching and moaning about it because they did like they didn't mention da 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 and this guy they didn't mention this guy and at the time i was like wow motherfuckers did not give credit to all these dudes but then i you and a lot of people missed the those keywords top rock cities top 10. you had to have gone to a top rock city if you hadn't gone to one then you just didn't get recognized. So a lot of these people that were bitching and moaning for, about it had never done a Top Rock City. So even I was bitching and moaning about it. And then I go, oh, wait, I've never gone to one. <laughs> so I can't, I'm, of course, I'm not going to get mentioned, right? It's like, we're going to, it's like, it's like Apple saying, we're going to, we're going to talk about our best employees. And then I'm going, oh, what the fuck? And I'm like, oh, wait, I never worked for them. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, it's like you're you're getting mad about something that you were not a part of. Like, so people were just putting their foots in their mouths about that. So um, Lady C was one of their top 10. Mm -hmm. So Stamma was one of their top 10. Hannibal, Nemesis, uh, Wacko was one. Aya, Easy Mike, um, and some, uh, there was a few others, right? So those names, because they were on that list, those names got shot way to the top because, you know, it was YouTube. That, that, that clip had gone viral. People were talking about it so much because of the names that they had mentioned. So Lady C was like a name. And I had already seen her before. I thought she was amazing already. And she hits me up and she says, hey, I think you're amazing. And... Uh, will you do this two on two with me? And in my head, I was like, wow, somebody that's dope is asking me to do something. And I felt honored. I was like, holy shit, like this is fucking crazy. So I make a trip up to Montreal. I stay at her house. Um, we try to come up with some routines and we do the two on two. And I just remember getting there and uh, Lynx had picked me up from the airport and Lynx goes, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so are entering. I'm not going to say their names because I was like, okay, cool. And then she goes, what do you mean? Okay, cool. And I was like, they're not going to beat us. And she was like, wait, what? And I was like, they're not going to beat us. They don't have what it takes to beat me and Lady C. They just don't. I said, the, top, the two people that I need to even worry about at the time was Hannibal and Samo. And then Lynx goes, well, what about these two guys? And I was like, no. <laughs> and then she's like, wow, you have a lot of like confidence. I was like, I, I just know that they can't beat us. Like I, and I was right. Like I just, they couldn't. What Lady C had and what I had to combined as a team it wasn't going to be able, nobody was going to be able to stop us. And it's like a lot of people don't look at that. And sometimes when people are making these teams, 
they make teams and they're too close together in style. And I'm like, you guys are too close together in the way that you move. They won't be able to differentiate you two from each other. And they won't be able to kind of like, you won't see a, like a, a shift in dynamic. Somebody needs to save the day. And the other person needs to be the cool one. <laughs> you know, like you got to play these roles, right? And it's got nothing to do with male and female. It's just like, no, you play a role. You're the save the day guy. <laughs> I was the save the day guy. You know, Lady C was going to hold down the, the power of like just having a certain type of energy and having a style and being able to move a, a different way. And if that wasn't going to save the day, I was going to come in and save the fucking day and annihilate everybody. Like, you know, like my, my musicality plus her style and her musicality, nobody was going to handle us, right? We, there's still a couple of battles still to this day that I still go back and I watch and I just look at and I'm like, we were murdering people. No one could help us. Nobody could handle us. And we get to the finals and it's Hannibal and Samo. And I fucking lose to fucking Samo one more, one more time again. And I was just like, this is just becoming a little irritating. <laughs> like it had gotten to the point where I, it was, I was driving, it was driving me insane. And I was just like, what the fuck, man? Like, you know, and then I go to BAM again. This was the one that I, we skipped over because it was in between this. And this year I didn't lose to Samo. Samo makes it to the finals. But I lose to, why not? I battle why not in the top four. And I'm like, this is the guy that even sparked my interest in this shit. And now I'm battling him. And um, I'm there. I hadn't even spoken to him more than maybe more than two or three words to this guy. But this guy, surprisingly enough, knew who I was. So that kind of like shocked me because in my mind, I was a nobody and that I just was doing my thing. And this is something that I also thought about the dance scene too, because I was always making it into the bracket and I was either winning or finalist or runner up or lost in the da, 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 da. I took that for granted. And I didn't realize how many people would battle their entire lives and never make it to anything. Not once you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like they will never see top 16 ever in their life. And they'd been dancing for 20 to something years and never make it past prelims. I never knew how I, I just took that for granted. Even as a popper, I was either winning runner up or losing in the top, whatever. So that was just, it was just systematic for me. It was just normal for me. So why not going, Oh, you're heat rock was just like the fuck this guy knows who I am. And I, that kind of like shocked me. So we're battling and I lose and I go, fuck, I, that was the worst battle of my life. And I would, I embarrassed myself. Like, what was I thinking? Like, oh my God, like everybody saw that. Everyone saw me get my ass whooped, da, 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 da. Cause it was like, it was why not. Right. And plus 
what was going through my head was different. So I was like, I got to see this footage. I got to see this footage. And somebody that I was friends with at the time, I don't talk to this person at any at all. Um, but uh, they were like, don't worry about it. The, the film will surface. The, somebody will post it up. Three months later, someone posts it up. And finally, because I was searching for months, like I literally was typing it in, Heat Rock versus Why Not, seeing if it would pop up. I would come back occasionally and finally found something. It popped up. Somebody loaded it up. And I watched the battle and I go, okay, that wasn't that bad. And some things I would change. And I was like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. Oh, that was kind of embarrassing. All right, word. Well, it wasn't that bad. But then I look one day, cause I'm watching this periodically, like every day, analyzing it over and over. And I noticed the, the views are going up and they're going up quick. And it was like first day, 20 people saw this. But the next day, it was like 900 people saw this. And then the next day, 20,000 people saw it. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I was just like, holy shit. And it was increasing and increasing. And then I start reading the, the comments. Who's this guy? That guy got robbed. Yo, that man, Heat Rock. Yo, this guy's kind of dope. Who's this guy? Wait, where'd this guy come from? And I was like surprised at what people were saying. And then people were like, why not dope? He did a good job. He did win that battle, but who's this other guy? And then I was just like, holy crap. And then I started traveling and people were, you're heat rock, you're heat rock. And just like you, I, you said, I saw you through top rock first. And people were seeing me through Samo, even though I was losing, People were looking up Samo because Samo was becoming a big thing. And everybody's like, oh man, Samo's so dope. And Samo's so. And then they noticed, like, who's this guy that keeps losing to him? And they're like, wait, who's this guy? And everybody's like, wait, who's this guy? So people started looking me up at the same time, but I don't know this. I don't, I had no idea. And so people were watching these battles and recently, Stance just put out a clip of me, uh, Samo, Hannibal, and Illy getting down in a parking lot. They just put that up recently. And somebody put up uh, shout outs to Samo and Heat Rock. Um, watching them was like watching uh, Goku and I uh, forget the other guy's name, one of those. Vegeta? Uh, yeah. One of the, like, it was like watching them battle. Right, right, right. It, like watching the, those two dudes go head to head all the time. Watching them was like watching that. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, you know, they're, compa they're comparing us to like Dragon Ball Z fights. You know, it's funny stuff, but it's like, it's like epic battles where like, who's going to win? And it's like, maybe this guy, maybe this guy, you know? It's the eternal and, rivals kind of thing. Yeah, it was like that. And we... I just didn't, I think a, a big relief had come over me. And once that had happened, that clip came out, I started getting more work. And more people were asking me to teach them about top rock and footwork and things like that. Uh, because these clips started coming out more and more. And that is how I, I blew up because of the two of them. Um, because I was losing to Samo 
so much and Samo was winning, people were looking up Samo, but they couldn't, it, what, you weren't gonna know about him without knowing about me. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever look up Tony Hawk, then you know about Kristen DeSoya. And Tony Hawk would win, but Kristen was right behind him. And a lot of the freeze, not the freezes, a lot of the poses and tricks and turns um, that people are doing in skateboarding are from this guy, but they don't know about this guy because he, you know, he kind of got involved with drugs and then cleaned up afterwards, but uh, pretty much set the skateboarding game. But we all know about Tony Hawk, but we forget about this other guy. But he's still famous and people still don't know who people still know who he is. And that's how I look at myself. It's like, okay, people may know about Samo and why not, but you're not gonna not know about me too. Because I was competing against all of these guys and the people that I stepped in the ring with. And that was basically how I got started with Top Rock. It started by being inspired by this individual and being inspired by other people, competing about, uh, against these people, and then being honored amongst those ranks of those people. And like, not to mention people like, you know, I never battled him, but Eddie Styles and all of these other people, and then battling them and being recognized and then being like, yo, you know, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same group together with, the, uh, with this particular idea. Uh, newer people that have come into the picture recently, even, you know, looking at them and going like, all right, you're the next, you're the next up. But the percentage of top rock for me of people that are incredible with it and understand it, it's very low. It's like 1%, very low. There's not a lot of us, uh, those that some people think they, they're really good at it. And I'm just like, you're okay. And, you know, I've had some arguments, but, and, you know, I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. You know, you've got an idea, but there's a lot that is missing. I would encourage you to keep doing it and then you'll, you'll discover that glow and you'll discover that, that, that universal science that will put you into that, that 1% rank, you know, take some time. Um, but yeah, that was, that was it. I, I beat Samo once. Um, finally. You did it. I, I did it. And it was the most unsatisfying feeling <laughs> ever. And you know, uh, actually, I beat him again. Uh, again, it was, it, and then it wasn't, it wasn't the same. It was just, it's like this thing where we can tease each other now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was during IBE. <laughs> and, you know, we could make fun of each other. We could look at each other and go like, well, what was that? You know, and I'm glad to be in that position with him and being able to like look at things and go, uh, Samuel, what were you thinking? You know? And he goes, man, shut up, bro. Like I, I was giving it my all. And I was like, you know, Hey, whatever, you know, I, I'm, cl- I'm, I'm glad to be in that way. And same with Hannibal. I'm glad to be able to have a conversation with him and, you know, we may have our differences and we may have our likenesses and same thing with like, uh, Hannibal, I'm not Hannibal, excuse me, nemesis. I, I'm very happy to be able to, to know these guys and be able to talk to them in these senses when it comes to this same thing with why not and Eddie and all of them and Stuntman. Um, I love the, what Stuntman brings to top rock, mm-hmm. uh, the character, uh, being able to even talk to flow master and flow master really just, you know, he looks at me and, you know, he goes, man, man, you know, he, to be able to get that, those props and, uh, I remember being in a cipher and it was uh pole one and Flowmaster and Flowmaster goes, Yo, Poe, Poe, this is Heat Rock. This is the guy. This is the guy. 
and kind of like going, wow, like I'm, <laughs> you know, like being like being introduced and kind of like not in a way where going up to like pull one. Oh, hi, I'm Heat Rock. But like somebody else was like, yo, this is that's the guy. This is the guy, you know? Yeah. And Poe going like, yeah, man, I've shown I've shown some of my kids some of your stuff. And then kind of like going like, wow, all right. But I've always thought of myself as me, mm -hmm. you know, and not understanding like what was going on and what people were looking at. So I remember one time somebody was like saying I was a famous B-boy and I didn't think so. Hmm. I just thought I was me. Right, right. You know, because I wasn't winning. <laughs> I kept losing. And I was just like, I've won some stuff, but I was losing more than I was winning. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And, you know, somebody was like, you know, finally I heard that thing a, a thousand times, you know, you're going to get a thousand no's and you're going to finally get one yes. And that'll be the, that'll be the, the yes that finally does it for you, you know? Mm -hmm. So I try to remember, I try to remind kids, I was like, look, I've lost more than I've won. And um, I basically built a career off of losing. I built a career off of it. And even the person that I didn't, that I no longer talked to said that. They're like, you're going to build a career off of losing. Hmm. And I was just like, wow. And I was like, I don't want to, but it ended up happening. It basically was the reason why I had a name. I built a career off of losing. Hmm. Um, just giving it my all, I guess they call it like the people's champ. Yeah. And that was it. And then, I mean, people knew me for footwork, but the massive monkey clip was the one that changed the game for me. Um, that was the thing that put me on the map for the rest of the world. Um, just that, that minute, <laughs> not even a minute, like just that, that 45 seconds <laughs> of dancing was the clip that, you know, the, the get the fuck out of here heard round <laughs> world, you know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the, that moment that basically brought my, the attention to the rest of the world of who I was. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that that was a, that was a tiebreaker round for the last slot for the top eight. Yeah. And um, shout outs to Massive Monkeys for this footwork battle. And I don't care what anybody says. People can say, no, IBE, no, this one. Massive Monkey footwork is the hardest footwork battle in the world. And I don't give a shit what anybody says. Um, because you're not competing for anything. <laughs> and a lot of people don't know this. You're not competing for money. Yeah. You are literally competing for props and a ring. There is no cash involved. But it's a cool ring. It is a cool ring. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when you know that when you consciously know you are entering for a ring, you do understand that you have nothing to fucking lose. Right. And there's nothing to gain. It's just legit props. And it's still has attracted the, like, the illest of the illest footwork heads. And I don't give a shit. The lineup has always been incredible. They have never had a shit. I have never seen a shit lineup. Ever. 
ever had, I've never seen, I've seen some low ones, but I've never seen a shit one. Mm. But it was like, that is the hardest footwork battle. It is harder, it's harder to, to win than it is to get into the top eight. And people are like, it's hard to get in the top eight. I was like, no, it's harder to win the fucker. Once you get into our, the, the, getting in the top eight is the easy part. That's the easy part. Beating everybody that's in the top eight is the hard part because there's so many incredible people in it. And it's so, it's so random on who wins each year. It's not even funny. You know, it's like one year you're winning, the, the person that wins, their footwork style is completely out of the box. And it's just like, wow, this is, this is out there. Like, and this guy won. And it's like, okay. And then the next year, straight textbook. Hmm. You know, and it's like, whoa. And then next year, straight abstract. Just completely like, what is going on here? And it's like, all right. It is footwork. It's questionable, but they won. And it is the hardest footwork battle ever. And that particular year, that particular stance clip, people don't understand this, but they had already had four that they had flown in. So only four were getting in. <laughs> so yeah. they were four is, they were four previous champions, actually. Previous champions that year that were selected, that were coming back, that had already in the four, and then four slots open. And that year, over 300 people had entered, and they were only taken four. And it was me, a kid named Brett, shout-outs to Brett, and Ark of 808 crew, shout-outs to Ark of 808. And we tied. And they said, all right, guys, we have one slot left, but you three have to battle for this last slot. And I go, okay, cool. And they're like, you guys going to battle right now. And it was at the Massive Monkey studio. Then they go, hey, we're running out of time. We're not going to do it at the studio. Take a break. We'll do it on the main stage at the thing. I was like, okay, cool. I see Brett. I see Ark. And Brett was, he was in the zone. So his mindset was like, I'm going to smoke the shit out of all of you. And he was very vocal about it. So I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't say anything. And, you know, he wasn't like, I'm going to smoke you. He was just very, like, standoffish. And I was just like, all right, cool. I see where this is going. So we get to the night. We get to the thing. I didn't say anything to him. And... I see Ark, and Ark is kind of in the corner, you know, ciphering with his boys, but he's got like this look on his face and his body language is definitely giving it away. And I said, what's up, dude? And he's like, I'm nervous as fuck, man. I got a, you know, footwork thing and da, 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 da. I was like, look, bro, between me and you, I said, if I lose to you, I'll be all right about that. And so she's nervous and I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it, bro. I was like, look, you go out there, you do your illest, and that's all that matters. And you rip it, and no matter what, dog, I know you're going to kill it. It doesn't matter. So we're there. It's three-way. If you look at the camera angle, you see me on the right. Arc is to the left across from me. And right next to the camera, Brett is standing right here. 
Okay, so they go. Illis goes first, and Ark is like goes out first. And I have the footage, and I gave it. I gave it to Ark. Um, I think I tried to post it one time, and technically, Ark won. He won that. He won that three-way tie. Technically, um, if I was judging it, I would have given it to Ark. It's a footwork battle. He did one hundred percent footwork. Okay. There's some things that I did in my round that are questionable. Okay. So this is the thing where I'll take the win because they gave it to me, you know, I, but if we want to talk about just the footwork battle, not the, the, ooh and the awe of the clip, the nostalgia of the clip, the, the actual footwork battle arc one, cause he did footwork. He did the assignment and it was dope. And people gave him props. People were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Does this thing. Gets up. It was like, all right, that actually might be pretty hard to beat. Brett goes out next. Does this thing. Pretty decent. Gets up. And if you listen very closely on that clip, if you listen, as I'm walking out, listen really closely. You can hear Brett talking. He's like, I already won. I got it. You know? It's, you know, he's like saying, like, you, there's nothing you can do. I already beat you. I already won. I got it. And that's why you kind of see my, my eye kind of cut to the side real quick. And I look and I was like, okay. So that's why at the end, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Because I'm talking to him right. because of what he said. Yeah. You know, so because it was kind of like this thing where I'm like, oh, for real? And it's like, all right, here you go. Yeah. And so that's what that that's what that clip is about. That's why that clip is so aggressive, right? Mm. Is because of the exchange between me and Brett, right? It's not really between the exchange between me and Ark actually doesn't really exist because of the fact that I completely blanked out about what I was gonna do against him because of what Brett was saying. So now it's like, all right, Ark's my boy. I don't know you. But I will say this. It helped me develop a relationship with Brett. So I actually saw him again and actually started talking to him and getting to know him. He's into uh, racing the, you know, those electrical cars. Mm -hmm. Like some of them are gas powered and stuff like that. He actually yeah. kind of like put, he builds those and sells some of them. And he's into that. And it's like, he's a very interesting guy. Like, um, and this is like these things where we kind of build like these aggressions towards people. And we're like, oh, fuck this dude. Da, 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 da. But then we don't even know like, hey, I'm into this. <laughs> and it's like, wow, it's like really cool. And he was telling me about like some of the places he goes to with it and like how he spends his time with it. And it's kind of like this thing that he's like really like into. Like really, it's like this little little hobby like this extra little hobby that he does and he was like yeah there's this thing and then there's this and you know you can do this and you can kind of and i was like and i had no idea and it was like really cool and like shout outs to brett like he's a really like aside from what he projects when he's breaking i think he's an incredible guy like a really interesting guy so you know so 
shout outs to him for that massive monkey. But if it wasn't for them, and a lot of times people are like, oh, you did it. I'm like, no, they're a part of that, 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 that history. They're yeah. a part of the reason why I was even able to get the name that I, that I got because of them. And because of that moment, because of Massive Monkey, thank you, Massive Monkey. Thank you, uh, Floor Lords and United Styles. Thank you, Crazy Freddy, for all the B-Boy uh, Olympic. Uh, he used to have a thing called B-Boy Olympics and Winter Wars and all that stuff. He used to have those jams in Boston. Thank you to all of the jams that were out there because Bam, Spicy, um, Just a Booze, all of that stuff. It set my career. You know, Breaks Crew Anniversary set my career. You know, like these things set your career and people don't realize that they just think, oh, I just went to the gym. Like, thank you, freestyle session. You know, like mm. thanks to all of that, like silver back. OK, as much as everybody wants to talk shit and the money. Oh, they're doing this. I'm like, uh, that made my career. OK, um, and that was the footwork. That was the birth of it. Like not the birth of it, but that put me on the map with footwork mm-hmm. was that that moment with that clip. And coming back the next year and doing more and people going like, oh, crap, like, who is this guy? I mean, I was already doing my thing, but it just made it more viral, mm-hmm. you know, and then people, oh, that's him. That's the guy. That's the guy. And how social media basically helped set my career. But yeah, that was a really good talk. I, I mean, I didn't really do much like you. You <laughs> kind of that was the easiest talk I've done so yeah. far on this podcast you yeah. led through everything that i wanted to ask you about and gave all this history it was it was really cool learning about all this stuff and and just getting your yeah. perspective on stuff especially the the last part knowing uh i like those stories about specific battles and like what people were thinking what was going on yeah and uh yeah just talking about that that yeah. relationship that you build with people it's, it's yeah the, it's the back and forth it's not only the individual it's it's the other people, it's the crowd, it's the event, it's the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, so I think we'll we'll cut it there and okay. hopefully we can do this again sometime. And oh, no, just... I'll be more than happy. Yeah. Um, actually, before we go, was there one more question or anything that you wanted to know specifically that I did not cover? The main thing that I wanted to get into was... Uh, just what you do like outside of dancing because i know you're you're i can do that briefly (laughs) okay okay Okay. outside of dancing (laughs) i enjoy art yeah um i am a full-time painter i'm a full-time visual artist and dancer um i have my website ivancofield.com i-v-a-n-c-o-f as in frank i-e-l-d.com um i all this I, i mentioned it briefly about graffiti artists. Um, I got into graffiti or writing when I was in high school. There was a kid that sat next to me that was doing it. And I was like, what's that? And I got into lettering then, but I was always drawing since I was a little kid. I was always scribbling on things, carving into things. I was always doing things like that. My dad thought it was destruction, but I was always drawing. So my parents were like, Okay, we'll get you some pens and some pencils and some markers and stuff. I was always I that wasn't something that I got into in high school. I was drawing since I was a child. I enjoyed drawing a lot. My mom had some skills. My sister kind of had some skills. My brother did too. My dad, I don't know if he could draw, but he, you know, he had 
you know, he could lift a pencil or two every now and then. And I just got into it really heavy. And I had books that were art, you know, art books and things like that. I always wanted to do art class. And then just getting into painting all the time. I always enjoyed art class at school. Um, my art was always in competitions, even as a child, it was always being featured in some sort of thing, you know, oh, we're putting together a magazine for the school, Ivan, can you draw like, and I was always doing that. I was always into art. So outside of breaking, um, when I'm not helping people with dance or uh, teaching workshops and privates and mentoring people, I'm painting, I'm drawing I'm getting to know my tools. I'm doing murals. I'm trying to put together art shows. I had an art exhibition with actually two other guys that were that are b-boys as well. We put together a show um, collaborating with other people and just trying to communicate and connect with people. Um, I do have a different bit of a lifestyle than the normal person. There are things that I'm into that I don't really I can't really discuss right now but it does make my lifestyle a little bit different in how I communicate and socialize with people. Um, and this is something that I always kind of have to be careful about when approaching other people because they're used to a particular way. So when I come along, it may be a little like weird to them and I just have to remind them like, hey, I practice this and this is why you may feel uncomfortable, but I don't mean you any harm. You know, like these are all these types of things. So outside of breaking, that's who I am. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm Ivan Cofield, the artist, you know, um, yeah, that is what I do. My house is littered with canvases and paint and, and everything. My room is covered with all these art pieces and trophies and paintings that I've done. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. Uh, really, really interesting talk. Really, really cool to hear all that stuff, all the history and just, yeah, get to dive a bit deeper into the, the mind of heat rock, the mind of Ivan Cofield. Yeah. yeah. So thank you very much for doing this and ho yeah, hopefully we can do this again. Yeah, for um, sure. I look forward to it. Yeah. If you want to maybe plug your, your social media stuff and website one more time for people. Uh, so I have three social, well, I have a website. My website is ivancofield.com, I-V-A-N-C-O-F as in Frank, I-E-L-D.com. Um, my social medias right now, I do have Facebook. You can find me on my regular name. I just recently reopened my Facebook, um, just Ivan Cofield. And my Instagram, I have two Instagram accounts. My visual art is Ivan Cofield, I-V-A-N-C-O-F-I-E-L-D. My uh, dance social media is Heat Rock One, H-E-A-T. R-O-C-K-O-N-E. Yep. Awesome. All yeah. right. Well, yeah, we'll do this again. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. And we'll see you in the next one. Yeah, Peace. for sure. Peace. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed the talk. If you like what you heard, please feel free to check out some of the older episodes and help spread the word about the podcast. If you really want to go that extra mile, please consider supporting on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash RazzyF2, R-A-Z-Z-Y-F-2. Even as little as a dollar goes a long way, and it means a lot to have your support. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace.